Well, once again, welcome to Union City Church. A big Life Center welcome to Union City Church. It is. The truth is, is your house is called Union City Church, ours is called Life Center, but the reality is there's only one church being built, and it's his, it's not ours. And so this is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, John will probably be in here in a minute, and then towards the end, I want to take a moment to honor you guys and just bless you guys, but let's dive in. So for the next month, we're going to talk about prayer, and I want you to know right off the top that 29% of Canadians pray, Christian Canadians pray, on a daily basis. So I want you to imagine with me what could be different if we could reverse that. We may not ever get to 100%, but what if we could reverse it? So 70% of Christians were not just posting every single day, but they were praying every single day. What could be different? Or complaining, or stressing, or worrying. And here's what I want you to grab from my heart to yours today. This is something you can do. This is really something you can do. It's not out there. It's not complicated. It's as simple as what you just saw. It's as simple as it is to go through the waters of baptism. Now, some of you are saying, there was nothing simple to get me into that tank. Okay, I get that. But as clear as the step is, it's as clear as you can do this. What could be different if 70% of us developed a richer prayer life? That's what we want to talk about for the next month. And it follows in an acronym, P-R-A-Y. Pray. So today we're going to start with this word called pause. Dr. William Barclay points out that Jesus not only lived, but he died with prayer on his lips. And we're going to mention that in a moment. And so to engage this next month together, uh, we're going to have a couple different resources. One is a book that you can buy on Amazon. It's in the cafe or wherever you buy books. Um, it's this one here. And it's by Pete Gregg. And it's called How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. How many you know that's a really nice title? I don't know if it, oh, there it is there. A How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. And it's an excellent resource. Same pastor, Pete Gregg, he's in, the United, he's in the United Kingdom. He also produced free, two free courses on prayer. One is called, uh, at prayercourse.org. One is praying the Lord's Prayer. And the other is if you've ever had unanswered prayer. And so there's things you can do as an individual, as a life group, or as a small group together. And so those are a couple resources that if you wanted to dig into prayer further on your own, as we journey together, you could do that. Let's now dive right into our story. In Luke's gospel, it situates us in a true story. Everyone say true story. So this isn't a parable. This is not a fictitious story. This is a genuine story. It's a true story. And in this story, it shares something, an insight, that when it comes to prayer, there's one thing that holds many of us back from developing a richer prayer life. So again, if you're in that 29% where you have a rich, active prayer life, then this series will be affirmation to you. But if you're in the 70%, this can be transformative for you if you engage it with your whole heart. And here's the first step we see in this story. Story. It's a true story. It says in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42, while they were traveling, he, that's Jesus, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. It is incredibly amazing to have Jesus in your home. And here Jesus is in the home of Martha. Martha has a sister by the name of Mary. Now that's not Jesus's mom. That's a different Mary. So she had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But here's what it says. It says that Martha was distracted. Everyone say distracted. Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And she came up and asked. And here's, 
what, this is what prayer can sound like. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me alone to serve? So tell her to give me a hand. Now, this is one of my favorite types of prayers. Lord, here's my problem. Go fix them. <laughs> that is one of my favorite types of prayers. Lord, change them. Smite them. They deserve to be smitten. Don't you ever feel, don't you ever wish you were Moses in traffic wanting to part the seas in front of you? I do. Do you ever meet a lot of idiots when you drive? Turn the person beside you and say, don't say that word. Don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. The Lord answered her tenderly, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing, everyone say one thing. One thing Jesus said is necessary. I am so thankful he didn't say 57 things because that's a lot. He said, Mary's made the right choice, and it will not be taken away from her. So when it comes to living our lives, there are right and wrong choices. And Jesus is highlighting this here. Because the top two issues, if you boil it down, that affect 70% of Canadian Christians who don't pray consistently. Number one, it is a lack of place. And number two, it is issues of performance. If you have a wrong perception of who God is, if you have a perception of God that he's just going to smack, 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 smack every time you come into his presence or every time you pray, then you're not going to want to engage that place. If you have this worry that you're always going to say the wrong thing, then I do believe the Lord wants to set you free today. Because in a place, Martha's sister Mary, she does something really profound and it's not complicated, but it is intentional, and it takes intention. It says Mary pauses, and she changes her posture. Mary, all she does is Jesus is in her house. And there's lots that needs to get done. But she stops, and it says that she just sits down at his feet. She just changes her posture. And it says that she just begins to listen. Siri's listening right now. Did you know that the first step to prayer is not actually saying anything at all? It's having the courage just to change your posture. This is what Mary does. Now, there is something that can be written into this as well, that Mary is also courageous. But Mary sees Jesus differently because to sit at the feet of a rabbi is putting yourself in a posture of saying, I'm a disciple, I'm listening, you can form and shape my life. And Mary is a woman. And this was a no-no with other rabbis, but how many of you know Jesus ain't like any other rabbi? And so she sits at his feet and she just begins to listen. Loved ones, if you and I can have the courage to change our posture every single day, this is the first way in which you and I engage prayer. Martha continues to prioritize everything else that needs to get done other than listen to Jesus in this moment. You need to remember at this particular place in time, Jesus was in one place at one time. Fully God, fully man, but as fully man, he's in one place at one time. He's not here, there, and everywhere. He's only here. And so when Jesus is in the house, everything else should be secondary. 
But here's the thing that is not just a problem then, it's a problem today, is that you and I can be distracted by anything and everything. Now, we live in a different time and a different dispensation because of the bloodstained cross and the empty tomb that we celebrated last week, where also we have the poured out Holy Spirit. So God is everywhere. He's not just around us, he's in us. It is a greater thing. But because we have access to anywhere and everywhere, you and I have a different problem perhaps than Mary or Martha did, and it is this. Because God is accessible everywhere, it becomes optional when. And Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. But whenever my life gets upside down, I seek everything in the kingdom of this world, and I leave Jesus till the end. And here's what I always find. I don't have enough attention, I don't have enough affection, and I always run out of time because of all other things in my life. And here's what's remarkable about all of those things. It's not just the bad things, it's even really good things that don't lead to ultimate things. It is not prioritizing the presence of Jesus, it is prioritizing everything else that I have to get done in a day. I live distracted. We live distracted. Now for today, Luke chapter 11, verse 12 is another text that we see and following the story of Mary and Martha, which we're going to come back to in just a moment, Luke places something perfectly here as we read through the gospel of Luke and here's what it says. It says that Jesus, he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place. Everyone say a certain place. If you're online, you can just type in certain place so I know that you're tracking with me as well. He was praying in a certain place. Jesus did this often. Prayed in particular places. He prayed in a certain place. And when he finished praying, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. As John, as, as John the Baptist also taught his disciples. There is something about the disciples that they know the Torah. They, they're, they're good Jewish boys. They know Torah. They can recite it. But there's something in the way that Jesus prays and spend times with the, spends time with the Father that awaken their hearts to, can we do that? Can you teach us how to do that? How do we actually do that? How do we do what you're doing? This is such a vital question. Now today, if you don't wish to learn how to pray, then there's nothing we can actually do for you. But if you do wish to learn how to pray, before actually praying like Mary or the disciples watching Jesus, the first thing you need to embrace is that you need to pause. And your pause can look different, but every one of us needs to pause. And secondly, if you really want to grow in this area, you need to identify a specific place where you are going to develop the habit or the spiritual practice of prayer. If you do not believe that spiritual warfare is real at all, I have an exercise for you to do this week. Pick a time and a place where you're going to begin to pray and just watch what happens. Watch. You will go, like, like I spend most of my day with a blank mind. Like, huh? Just... Nothing going on out there. Up there, I should say. But the moment I set my heart to begin to pray, I have every single thought in the world, including, like, how are solar panels made? Flood into my brain. I don't care how they're made at all. Doesn't change my life. I don't care. I'm glad. If you're in that industry, I hope you know how they're made. I don't care. But it floods into my house. I wonder about that. It's remarkable. Pete Gregg says this. 
To start, that is to start praying, we need to stop. We must stop. To move forward, we must pause. Sit quietly, stillness and silence. Prepare your mind and prime your heart to pray from a place of greater peace, faith, and adoration. I would say it simply this way. When you learn to pause, then you're going to learn how to pray. When you learn to pause, and until you learn to pause, prayer becomes a challenge. Let me ask you this, and if the answer is no to this, that is okay. Feel no peer pressure, whether you're in the room or you're online. But if you're online, you can raise hand, and if you're in the room, you can raise your hand. Some of you won't raise your hand for anything. That's okay. You're always welcome. How many of you, before you eat a meal, stop and say grace or a blessing? Can I see your hands, please? Don't, again, no shame if you don't. It's okay. Some of you, some, I was with someone one time and they said, actually, I find that not efficient. So what I do is when I'm getting groceries, I pray over the whole order and then I'm done for the month. <laughs> to which I said, number one, brilliant. Number two, don't think that's the heart and the intent. However, I do affirm your brilliance. I can see the logic with what you're doing. I think it violates the heart. However, wow, you're awesome. <laughs> Not cannonball into the tank awesome, but awesome nonetheless. And by the way, I love that. I love that. Kids don't do that, but I love that. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. If you, however, say prayer or a blessing before every meal, what are you embracing? The power of a pause. I'm physically really hungry and there's nothing I want more to do than to eat right now, but I'm just going to pause and I'm going to pray. Oh, have you ever been at somebody's house or been with someone who you pause and they pray and you're starving and they pray for a long time? <laughs> if that happens... Not only pray for your, your food, pray that they would have a revelation that there's a different way to do this. <laughs> Little joke. But when you learn to pause and then you pray in a specific place, so for some of us, whenever a plate of food is put in front of us, it is this reminder, I'm going to pause and I'm going to pray in this place and I'm going to thank God. Whether I'm privately in my home or publicly in a restaurant, I'm going to bow my head and take a moment and just express thanks to God. If you can develop that habit there, you can develop it anywhere. It just requires the same intention and focus. Once again, I want you to think back to the story of Mary and Martha. While Jesus is in a specific place, he's in their home, and Mary pauses and she changes her posture. And Martha doesn't change her posture, nor does she pause. But again, I want you to watch the interaction because I said off at the top that some of you who are struggling to develop a richer prayer life, you're doing it perhaps because you have a perception of who God is that needs to be healed, that he's your father who loves you, that this is the primary relationship and it says that Martha was distracted by her many tasks, and we can be distracted by our many tasks or our many thoughts. This can also afflict us. So she came and asked, Lord, don't you care? You see, this is an incorrect perception here that Martha asked, Lord, don't you care? And absolutely, he's going to affirm that he both sees her and he knows and he cares. Don't you care that my sister has left me alone, so tell her to give me a hand? And the Lord answered her tenderly, I believe, Martha, 
Martha. Jesus says your name twice, pay attention. Kind of like when your parents called you with your whole name, pay attention. Martha, Martha, here's what he says. What does Jesus say? You are worried and you are upset about many things. Jesus is not ignorant with what she's going through. He's not dismissive. He doesn't bring correction and slap her upside the head. He actually identifies what's really going on on the inside of her heart. Jesus is not only paying attention in the room to Mary, he's paying attention to Martha. Why is this important? Because in our world today, we often think that, oh no, God only hears the cries of the religious people. Excuse me, God hears the cries of all of his people. God hears the cries of the one who behaves or the one who misbehaves. When we call out his name, his ear is always attentive to the cries of his kids. Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but one thing, everyone say one thing. One thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice. She's paused and she's adjusted her posture and it's not going to be taken away from her. In other words, Martha, you also have the invitation to change your posture, to pause in this moment and to position yourself as a disciple. Martha is, again, she's distracted by worry and she's genuinely upset about many things. And even though Jesus is fully present, she doesn't change her posture. And a symptom of a prayerless life can be one where we mistakenly believe that Jesus doesn't care, but he cares deeply for Martha. He is, she is worried and upset. And again, he's fully present. But the one thing he can't do for her is he cannot pause or change her posture. There's another thing that Jesus says that just echoes in my mind as I talk through this this morning, as we talk through this today, and it's this. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to give you that which your soul needs. The one thing we can't do or he can't do for us is he can't just, like he says, come to me and then I will do this. The beautiful thing in the story of the Gospels, we celebrated it last week at Easter, none of us on our own would ever go to God, so he fully came to us once and for all. But he also desires for you and I to come to him, whether it's on a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, whenever it happens to be, to come to him. And here's what I promise you, anxiety, stress, worry, social media, Facebook, Twitter, whatever one you want to do, the more we go to those things, it will not give us rest for our soul. Doesn't give us rest. The more you go to those places, it won't give you rest for your soul. I began a practice during pandemic. Privately, this is what I began to do. How I many you know sometimes you need to say out loud what you're thinking on the inside? So I began a little practice when I'd find myself scrolling through Twitter, getting all angry, having vain imaginations of conversations with people that I'm never going to meet. Here's what I would say out loud. As I found 30 minutes and 40 minutes begin to pass by, some of you are going like, you're a rookie. I can do three, four hours, no problem on Instagram, no problem. Okay, here's what I would simply say out loud. I don't need any more information, but what I need is transformation. And it was a reminder to me, put down the darn phone. <laughs> Step away from the screen. I don't need another episode. I don't just need entertainment, as wonderful as it is. I need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So turn away from those things because here's the truth about all of us. Whatever we give our heart to, we're usually giving our attention before our affection. 
This is not a shame thing. It's just an us thing that we can live distracted by many things. And so again, going back to what you say before a blessing or, a, or before grace, before a meal, is again, you are in a specific place and you're pausing and then you begin to pray. Reading regarding prayer, this is actually the first thing that Jesus t- teaches his disciples. He said to them, whenever you pray. Everyone say, whenever you pray. Oh, I love it doesn't say if you pray. And I also love that Jesus didn't say when you pray for only four hours a day. He doesn't give any of those prescriptions. He just says when you pray. In fact, this is extraordinary. Did you know that Jesus' entire teaching on prayer was 31 words? Oh, we've written a lot of books about it today and they're good. But the bottom line is Jesus did not break prayer complicated. It's 31 words. That's the whole thing. 31 words. We'll get into it more next week, but some of the most powerful prayers that Jesus ever prayed were really, really, really short. I mean extraordinarily short. We equate length with power, not Jesus. Jesus was on a boat in the middle of a storm, and all of the disciples were freaking out, and he simply stood up, and here was the prayer, peace be still. Come. His friend Lazarus dies and he stands in front of the tomb. Three word prayer. Lazarus, come forth. Now sometimes he prayed longer prayers but they actually weren't that long. In fact, one of the most transformative prayers that we ever hear Jesus praying I alluded to at the beginning is Dr. William Barclay says he dies with a prayer on his lips. It's nine words. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they, oh, do. Ten words. Maths. <laughs> ten words. Now, if you speak Hebrew, some of you are going, that wasn't ten words. I know. English. You wise, me learning. <laughs> but you get the point. The thief on the cross, you want to know his full entitled sinner's prayer? Remember me. You see, it's our spiritual enemy who always makes the simple things of the kingdom so complex. And in the complexity, it's as though you and I think, well, I can never attain that level of spirituality or I can never attain that. And I want to kick that in its teeth in Jesus' name. Because if you can worry, you can pray. If you can criticize, you can bless. If you can gossip, you can encourage. It's the identical practice with a different spirit. But it's not as though you don't know how to do it. You just need to be transformed on the inside to do the very thing that you're doing that brings death and destruction in a way that brings life. This is all we need to learn how to do. But all of that starts with pausing in a specific place. Let me finish here. One final note from the story of Mary and Martha that I think that highlights what makes this so powerful is if you read the interaction again, you see something actually profoundly simple. Again, as Mary just sits at the feet of Jesus, postures herself as a disciple, there's no record of her saying anything. She just sits and she just listens. You know, one of the things that I used to get a little like bristled with, but now that I love, I love the sounds of kids in the room. It's one of the ways the pandemic changed me because the pandemic for two years, we heard no voices of kids and that almost destroyed my life. 
Isn't it beautiful to hear every generation in the house? It's a glorious thing. Like Mary, though, when you pause in a specific place with Jesus, before you even say or do anything, you've already given him everything he desires. It's your heart. It's the power of a pause and to change your posture. So this week, if you want to desire to grow richer in a prayer life, if you want to, maybe you're in the 70% that doesn't pray and you need to begin to pray, we're not actually going to first start with what you need to say. That's next week. But this week, we're just going to start with, here's what I want you to do. I want you to find a place, pick a time, and pick a place that you're going to designate as your place of prayer. It can be a chair or it can be a couch. If you lie down on said couch, that is a nap. That is not prayer. (laughs) Equally powerful as rest is, different sermon application, okay? I promise you, I promise you, if you lie down on said couch, thou will not pray, thou will nap. So just a little warning there. It can be walking your dog. It can be parked in your driveway. It can be early in the morning. It can be at lunch. It can be before bed. You can do it on your own or you can do it with others. You can do it with HeartStrong. You can join us at 6 a.m. I heard of someone in between services said this. In order to develop a specific place of prayer, I got together with one other person and all we do is we text each other at the exact same time every day a word of prayer. And it reminds me, oh, they're praying for me. I'm going to again begin to pray for them. And they develop the habit of that this moment we're going to pause and we're going to pray. So to develop a prayer life, you want to set a consistent time and place to shift your posture. You know, Jesus knew the power of place and the power of prayer. And on his way to the cross, he found a place called an olive garden or olive grove called Gethsemane. And he prayed. And in this specific place of prayer, and as Jesus is pressed, what flows out of him is honesty and surrendering to the will of his Father. You know, olive oil is made when the olive itself is pressed and crushed beyond measure. And in the crushing, whatever is on the inside comes out. As I've already mentioned, sometimes pressure and stress and anxiety in the pressing, sometimes they bring out the worst in us. But there's something transformative when you and I pick a place, we change our posture, and it's not just what we say. It is in that moment we consistently present our heart before the Lord. Don't worry about what you'll say. Again, we'll get to that next week. Just find this week a place every single day that you're going to pause and pray. It may be helpful if you're scrolling mindlessly through socials that you say out loud, I don't need more information. What I need is transformation. I'm not saying I don't want to be ignorant. I just don't need all the information. I don't need perhaps more entertainment. What I need is to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. If you want that, God wants that. Pause this week and change your posture in a specific place and watch what he'll do.